Father, we just thank you, Lord, for our time. We thank you, Lord, that we are here, Lord, in your name. Lord, we pray now for your Holy Spirit to show us and teach us what it is that you would want us to grasp tonight, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for all your goodness, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. One Bible teacher wrote in his book of an experience that Henry A. Ironside, who was a early to mid-20th century theologian and pastor, preacher, and um, he shared this experience that what happened to him in a crowded restaurant. Just as Ironside was about to begin his meal, a man approached and asked if he could join him. Ironside invited him to have a seat. Then, as was his custom, Ironside bowed his head in prayer. When he opened his eyes, the other man asked, Do you have a headache? Ironside replied, No, I don't. The other man asked, Well, is there something wrong with your food? Ironside replied, No, I was simply thanking God, as I always do before I eat. The man said, oh, you're one of those, are you? Well, I want you to know, I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow, and I don't have to give thanks to anybody when I eat. I just start right in. Ironside said, yes, you're just like my dog. That's what he does, too. Giving thanks to the Lord ought to be, you know, second nature. It ought to be something we sincerely say and and give daily, not just over our meal like tonight. And by the way, the food was fantastic. So not no no nodding off tonight, all right? Just 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 give me two hours with you guys. Are we in the habit of giving thanks unto the Lord? Not just on Thanksgiving Day, but every day. The air that we're breathing right now, the sustenance that we put in our body, the roof over our heads, the friendships that we have forged over many years, our children, our family, our possessions, our jobs. Are we giving thanks to God for being with you and me during our times of hardship and joy, as well as during the most challenging of times and when things seem to settle down a little bit. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, where Paul said, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Paul is saying as followers of Christ, we walk in Jesus, we are rooted in Jesus, and we are built up in Jesus as a people of faith abounding in thanksgiving. And abounding used here means excessive, to have more than enough, to be extravagant. And that's it right there. Are we being extravagant in giving thanks to our God? Are we being extravagant in our thanksgiving to our Lord Jesus just like you were extravagant with the gravy on top of your turkey and your potatoes. Welcome back there, Jimmy. I see he's enjoying this food there. Look, because abounding, 
does not mean a dollop, right? But an overflowing of thanksgiving to our God. Or do we get caught up in life, which happens, but do we get caught up with life that we at times forget to give God our thanks, whether it's during the good times or in the bad times? Because thanksgiving or we um, giving thanks is a kind of worship. It's a kind of praise that we should express to our God every chance we can get. Giving thanks to God is worship. Well, there's an event that happened in Jesus' life, him and two lepers. And in the ending, it's quite an eye-opener. The title of this devotional, because I timed myself, I thought it was a devotion, but we're going to get there, folks. It's called Giving Him Thanks. So Luke chapter 17, 11 through 16. On the way to Jerusalem, he, that is Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And he, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. So on his way to Jerusalem, walking on the the borderline of Galilee and Samaria, Jesus entered into this unnamed village and encounters these 10 lepers. Now it would be it would seem from this narrative, these 10 lepers at least <clears throat> have known of Jesus or at least recognized Jesus for they, they're yelling across the street because they socially they were supposed to keep their distance because of their leprosy. And with a loud voice, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, these lepers were both Jews, and based on verse 16, there was one Samaritan. And Jews and Samaritan historically, culturally, and theologically didn't see eye to eye. However, what these 10 did have in common was the disease of leprosy, for leprosy is no respecter of persons. What does that sound like? That sounds like sin, because sin is no respecter of persons. And now leprosy can refer to this Skin lesions or disfigurements or deformities, usually affecting the um, cooler places of the body, like your earlobe, nose, and hand, and feet, and such. But leprosy can also be like a, a contagious skin disorder as well. But this terrible disease not only affected the body, but it affected them emotionally, mentally, and lastly, but tragically, It affects the person socially. They were the social, I mean, the true social outcasts of their time, as well as in many cultures today. This gives us a clear clear picture of the effects of leprosy. Since they were the social outcasts of that time, maybe that is why Jesus encountered them out on the fringes, on the edge of town, 
at the borderline of Samaria and Galilee, but their lives about to be changed. Look at verse 14 and 16 again. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Now Jesus had many... There were many opportunities when Jesus um, healed, and he, he did it in many different ways. But what was always constant was the recipients, and that's faith. They all needed to believe. They all needed to have faith in the words of Jesus. Whenever he instructed someone to do something so that they may, their bodies can be made whole, but once they set foot in the direction where Jesus told them to go, they were healed of their leprosy. I mean, they're making a beeline to the nearest, closest synagogue, and they're going to find the first priest they can so that that priest can declare them as being cleansed, cleaned. Now, if you recall in John chapter 4, verse 46 through 54, an official from Capernaum had approached Jesus, and he wanted Jesus to come with him, thinking that, you know, if you just come, my, my boy is dying, he's at the point of death. If he just come, maybe just you being there, just touch him, he would be healed. But Jesus challenged his faith. Jesus said, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. All the father could do at this point was to trust in the pure authority of Jesus' words. That takes a lot of faith. It was like a day's journey or whatever. He doesn't know. All he, all he has was Jesus' words, and that is what he's going with. And then on his way home, verse 51 and 53 says that his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. Faith. Now back to these 10 lepers. After the healing and they were declared clean, only one came back. Only one came back and just praising God loudly. And he was the Samaritan. Another word for praise is to glorify he was glorifying God with a loud voice, falling at the feet of Jesus, giving thanks. So can you imagine, you know, if, if people recognized him, he's leaving the synagogue, they know he is healed, and he's booming out there singing and praising the Lord. That had to have been a sight. But I think the greater sight is not so much that he was praising God because God deserve our praise but that he fell at the feet of Jesus. But then it begs the question, what happened to the other nine? It's not a riddle or joke. I mean, really, that, that's, everyone's looking at me, what is that? What happened to the other nine? You mean after putting their trust in Jesus, they could not take the time to search for Jesus like this um, Samaritan man did and to simply thank him? I mean, think about it. They all knew Jesus. They cried out to him, Jesus, Master. 
mercy on us, but imagine being in their shoes or sandals. They all acted in obedience and trusting in Jesus' words. Now imagine them walking together towards the synagogue. They, they had to have a conversation. What were the people in that little unnamed village were thinking when they saw this group of 10 guys walking towards them and they're walking towards the synagogue? Did some of them look at them and just said like, isn't that so-and-so? Because, man, the other day, man, he was missing an ear. And now his, his ear is there. And he's looking, it's like, isn't that so-and-so? His skin looked really hard and everything, and it's smooth as a baby. I mean, think about it. I mean, I can imagine what was the conversation. And it's not to make light of their, 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 their disease, but think about it. It's like, hey, Levi, man, your face, man, really cleared up. David, you have a nose and, and your fingers are, are, are all good. Oh, Nathaniel, man, your, your, your hair was all patchy and stuff, but man, your hair looks great. You got a lot of volume in there and everything. And you're just thinking, but again, not to make light of the situation, but they're either thinking about this or they're checking each other out. It's like, dude, or dudes, we're healed. And they're on their way to see the priest. That had to have been... A, an amazing moment in their lives. The miracle happened when they placed their faith in Jesus Christ. But after they were healed and trusting in his words and were cleared by the priest, what happened afterwards? Only one of the ten came back, searched for Jesus, and gave him thanks. The Samaritan man. And notice the posture of this healed Samaritan. He fell at Jesus' feet as a sign of humility, recognizing Jesus' authority and greatness. But I'm convinced that this man fell at the feet of Jesus, giving thanks because he was worshiping Jesus. He was thanking Jesus, praising Jesus. And he did this not only because Jesus healed him, but Jesus changed his life forever. Look at verse 17 through 19. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And we need to understand in, 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 within the context of why Jesus said what he said. The nation of Israel was not ready to accept or at least did not acknowledge Jesus as their true Messiah. When, D, when Jesus did many miracles like healing the, the sick people and stuff, that, that was to prove that he was indeed sent by God and that he was their uh, Messiah, the Christ. And he did many gifts, uh, many miracles, but many of them did not believe in Jesus. They didn't buy into that he was the Messiah, but yet they did not have a problem with Jesus doing all those miracles. And it's like, no, we don't, we're not buying into that, but can you, can you multiply this bread and this fish? Can you, can you cast this demon out from me? Can you, can you heal my body? Can you bring this one person back from the dead? They were all good with that, but they didn't want to recognize him as their Messiah. And here's the reason for the nine not returning back. To Jesus, for the nine represented the nation of Israel's lack of gratitude towards God 
and Jesus. However, what the nine really missed out on was the greater gift of salvation, saving faith that leads to salvation. And to be clear, faith is not a work. It does not merit salvation. It is only the means by which one accepts God's free salvation. When it comes to our salvation, the basis is grace. The means is faith. And the initiator for our salvation is God and him alone, for which we give him thanks. Now, as for the healed Samaritan, Jesus commended the man's gratitude for giving praise to God because of the faith he had in Jesus for making him well. And that word made well, the word made, the Greek there is sozo, which means to make well. But it also means to save. It means to, in, in deliverance from both physical death and sin. In other words, this Samaritan's faith in Jesus led him to salvation. Salvation was found in Christ, which led the man to glorify, to praise God, and giving thanks right at the foot of Jesus, which, which was a clear act of worship. And if we were being honest, the Samaritan realized the greatest gift he received was not so much his healing from leprosy, but was the gift of salvation that changed his life forever. And that's what he was thankful for. And this is what I want to close with. Jesus has done many things in our lives. We can write a list of things, what God has done for us. And he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our thanksgiving. He is to be glorified for all he has done on our behalf, including for our spiritual leprosy called sin and giving us this new birth where we are created as a new person in Christ Jesus, like the lepers receive like this new skin in their bodies. And for this reason, like the one Samaritan, we give thanks to Jesus, unlike the nine who did not. As I'm walking this life of faith, this side of heaven, I'm often reminded of what Jesus has done and continues to do in my life. Yes, I am thankful for my wife of almost 33 years, this coming January. See me in January, I'll be taking gifts then and all. I'm thankful for my adult kids. I'm thankful for my church family. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for my loved ones. I'm thankful for my friends and family, the roof over our heads, the the, the car that we we use. And, And there's so many things that we can thank God for. There's a list of things. But you know, a lot of that stuff too is just possession and all. But there's many things that we can thank God for that we have been reconciled to him. That Jesus died for our sin. There are so many things that we can thank God for. We have a benevolent God. But the greatest thing I want us to be reminded of, especially this coming Thanksgiving, and I can't believe that 2021 is almost done. But this Thanksgiving, yeah. And no, it's not about all about Black Friday or Cyber Monday. We're trying to find deals, you know, on, in the store and online. But to be thankful for the greatest and final deal, or I should say arrangement that God has ever offered to humanity, and that is to come to Jesus and be saved from the tyranny of sin and from God's wrath that is to come. We have a lot to be thankful for. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. But look, we all know that Thanksgiving is, has become overly commercialized. And according to many sources before our founding nation, Governor William Bradford decreed that December 13th, 1621, be set aside as a day of feasting and prayer to show the gratitude of the colonists that they were still alive. These pilgrims, seeking religious freedom and opportunity and merit, gave thanks to God for his provision for them in helping them find acres of cleared land for, that, for the fact that there was no hostile Indians in that area, for their newfound religious freedom, and for provision, for God's provision of an interpreter to the Indians in Squanto. Along with the feasting and games involving the colonists and more than 80 friendly Indians who added to the feast by bringing wild turkeys and venison, prayers, sermons, and songs of praise were important in the celebration. Three days were spent in feasting and prayer. Is that being taught in schools today? I remember that growing up as a kid, what, what Thanksgiving was like and what it meant. But what I love about this, and as much as I love that they shared food, you know, they were all hanging out, they got the fellowship and everything, what was important was that their focus was on God. That's what Thanksgiving is about. Thanksgiving is putting our focus on Him. But truth be told, we don't need one day out of the year to give and show our gratitude to the one who saved us all, our Savior Jesus. Every day when we wake up gives us reason to thank Him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We ought to give thanks to our God for sending his son Jesus to humanity. For 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15 says that this about Jesus. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Inexpressible means beyond words, beyond praise. That inexpressible gift is Jesus, whose actions are beyond words and praise, who on the cross of Calvary paid or on the sin of debt, so that a holy and just God could forgive us of our sins and give us eternal life, that free gift. Which leads us to that, the, the best reason to give thanks to our God. And there are, like I said, endless reasons to give him thanks. But that is his love for us. And when I think of this, I always come back and think about my daughter, Rachel. Some of you have heard this um, story before, but it's worth um, repeating again. When Rachel, one of my daughters, um, was about 18 months old to two years old, you know, she had a sippy cup. And it doesn't matter what you put in the sippy cup. If you put juice in there, it was juice. You put milk in there, it was juice. You put soda in there, it was juice. You put eggnog in there, it was juice. So you get the picture. Water, juice. Everything was juice in there. And then one day... We um, went down over to the coast, and we took her to the um, beach for the very first time. First, very first time she's seen the Pacific Ocean. And my wife is on one side, I'm on the other side, we're holding her hands, and we walk her up the beach, and she's right there, and she's looking at the water. And I'm, I'm, and I'm watching her, and I was like, this girl's like really like focused. 
You know, I mean, if, if for a young kid, I thought she was like kind of like deep, man. You know, it's like she's just watching and just looking, and I'm just observing her, you know, and she just stood there in silence, and then she said, big juice. <laughs> and I'll never forget that, because as I'm watching that, and I'm looking at her, but then I'm looking at the vastness of that water, I was just thinking of the vastness of God's love for us. I was just thinking how deep God's love is for us, which brings to mind that one song, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Amen? And so we give our thanks to God because... For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen? We've got much to be thankful for, but that is it right there. To God be the glory. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the greatness of your love. And there are so many things that we, we can thank you for. But Lord, we thank you for the love that you have for us, that you sent your son Jesus to die in our place so that we may be reconciled back to you, so that you're the one that had it's the bridge between that, that chasm of sin. You took it all for us, and we, we are so grateful for that we praise you and we worship you for all that you continue to do in our lives. But again, Father, we thank you for the love that you have for us, that you sent your son Jesus for us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.